How many patients do you have on MedSync? I, I kind of threw a number out, probably 3,000. Wow. But yeah. But so it's, it's MedSync. That's what you do. That's what we do. That's yeah. our normal way of doing business. And, and by the way, I have, you know, referring back to what a conversation we were talking about earlier, so many pharmacies do not want to do MedSync. I have pharmacies come in from all over the nation to see what we do. You know, when I do a presentation somewhere, you know, it piques their interest. They want to learn how to do it. And 100% of them say, Bob, you could have talked to us for two weeks, but until we actually see it in motion, mm-hmm. we got yep. a lot of moving parts here. Y'all, y'all been here. You yep. know, mm-hmm. got a lot of moving parts. The, the store owners that, that, that come in here, uh, they said we could have never envisioned exactly how it worked till we see what you do. Not that I have a perfect program, but it's a great start for someone who's not doing anything, and it's an eye-opener as well. So many of them have left and gone back and been extremely successful because of what they learned here. And by the way, I've got a more organized, because the demand was there before COVID, and I anticipate it coming back, a more organized process of training these patients. Mm-hmm. So uh, are these store owners. Is that something but inv- you, you charge for? Or is that just We're going to start charging a little bit for it yep. because it's tying my staff up for I, most of the I time. I think it's valid. Day. I mean, I think yeah. it's yeah. huge. Yeah. I think, you know, it, when you're kind of a leader at something, and Joe Moose is the same play, you know, there's always people in his store trying to figure out how they do stuff. And I think it is reasonable to be compensated for, for that time. Yeah, just no different than you, you're teaching and speaking at NCPA and that. I mean, that's your time too. Um, yeah. But what what would you say is your like first someone who wants to get started in MedSync? What's the first thing that they should do? What's your words of wisdom? Well, the first thing I need to t- that I always tell them is is don't feel intimidated because they 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 just feel so overwhelmed on the beginning. And, and I actually was was uh, working with a peer of mine that that went to PDS's sync training, which I. You know, my opinion is a little different on that. But anyway, he went to, <laughs> to that and came back and he says, I'm going to put, um, so I've got a list. We're going to put 130 patients on it this first week. And I said, that's the worst thing you can do. You know, you know, you want to start with two or three patients your first week and get right. comfortable with it. And so I, I tell them to gradually work into it. Then as they get comfortable, they can grow more and more patients. And what happens, and I learned this from from experiences, what happens, people, patients, uh, store owners will go back to their store and start a sync program. And after about four months, and this goes back to what you said about Amina, you know, how many do you have in sync? Well, uh, all of them, you know, right. you know, you know, I, you know, I, I can add them up, but it's all of them. This, they should be in a sync program, but, uh, they go back to their pharmacies and they'll start enrolling sync patients and they'll get up to between 50 and a hundred patients. And they'll call me and say, Bob, you said this was supposed to be easy. This is terrible. This is awful. It's so stressful. Well, what's happening is they've got however many hundreds and hundreds of patients. They're still doing it the same way. And then when they see patients come up, it's it's a different way of doing it. And, it, and it's, right. it's, it's troublesome. So they've got to continue to move that needle to where, as Amina and, and, and I say, to where it's their normal way of doing business, you know. Then the, then the few patients that aren't in the sink, they're the odd guys, you know. So you got to work through that. Back to what you asked me, uh, Marsha, is they've got to be patient. they got to work through that. They're going to have some speed bumps, but they got to work through it. Yeah, you hear pharmacy. Oh, we tried that a couple of times. It didn't work, you know. Yep. And I, yep. We always tell them, you know, until you get above 40% or so of your scripts, 
you're, you're yep. not going to see the light. You know, and, until, and having yep. a bottle of scotch at night doesn't hurt either. Yeah, that doesn't hurt well, at all. Doesn't that, hurt at all. <laughs> you know, that you have to have some really good senior techs that champion the program, right? We see a lot of mm-hmm. pharmacy owners with like, oh yeah, we do MedSync, and they're the only one who cares about it or drives it. It doesn't work. No, no, and that's that great point. We 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 learned the hard way. We would have one person in charge of it. It, it was a tech actually, and when that tech's gone or on vacation, it blew the whole sync program. So now we we do we really work hard at cross training. Every one of my team members knows exactly what to do at any point. You know, they they can take a patient and roll them in sync. It's like tying your shoe for us now. So uh, I learned that because of what you just said. You know, one person knows it. It's it's uh, it's not good, not good. <laughs> We're getting a lot of communication with providers, um, and and we are really noticing that we're very well respected. Like yes. we kind of thought, oh, we were going to fax these off, and it's going to be like sending those outcome tips. Hey, this patient needs a statin, and you fax it fifty times, and you never hear back. I know, yeah, everyone uh, those <laughs> But we're getting no responses day yeah. day, maybe next day, um, and we really feel like we're part of the team. Yeah, and not just a fax, but. I've phone had calls. phone calls, yeah. um, even just, you know, they'll send over a new prescription for lisinopril or something. Yeah. So we're making some really great changes in patient patient outcomes and um, had one patient that we got and set up with a Dexcom meter and he loves it. And that was partially our recommendation trying cool. to get him like to help control his diabetes. And Changes it's just so life. Exciting. Yeah. yeah. Now you literally yeah. so exciting. Life. Yeah. Uh, making a lot of inroads with the physicians then it mm. sounds like as well what are the, how well, i think in north carolina that joe and amina have both kind of oh, really yeah, no, opened pi- pi- like the lack of a better term pioneered it. yes they've, they've <laughs> pioneered i mean because there are some of our of our pharmacists who say they struggle to get the doctor to email them or communicate back and i think amina and joe have really kind of opened up that conversation and created a great community conversational loop between the doctors and the pharmacist. So I think it's amazing and a great testimonial to get other states and other pharmacists to get off behind the bench. Well, And also what they're doing too, is they're providing value first. Like if Mm -hmm. I'm faxing you, Hey, this is what I did for your patient. You can go update your chart notes, whatever you need to do and go, Hey, this is what it's way easier to go knock on that person's door and go, Hey, I'm Tori. I'm the one that sent you those faxes um, uh, about your patients, man. You can have a much like it's a much more approachable conversation than just straight up showing up. You've never met me before, but this is what we do. Well, and not to mention that now you've, 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 created that that um conversation and then just um engagement and so now it's like okay they they actually take care of my patients it's not just going to be i send a medication and it may or may not work and who cares and that that opens up more patients being sent to your pharmacy and uh, and that's a good point yeah Mm -hmm. and and you're also that's the end goal and and what madison just typed up some gold here so i'm giving you credit for that but it's a it's way easier (laughs) to walk up to them and go this is what i did do and then tell them what you can do Mm -hmm. instead of of just saying what what you can do right so instead of doing it the way that you that's a lot of this (laughs) and the a lot of what's going on is we're trying to get the data that the state is collecting they're trying to collect data. So we're not the only pharmacy working on this project. We've got like a whole network of pharmacies throughout the state, but we're trying to collect this data and say, look at what pharmacists are doing. Pay us. We are mm-hmm. worth like, you know, these payers telling them we are worth your time and your money. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's funny. It, this kind of feels like that moment when you started to see hospitals decentralize pharmacy. You know, so oh. you used to see just pharmacy That's lived true. in the basement making IVs yeah. yeah. and sending stuff up, right? right? Yep. And then you saw a couple of the teaching hospitals start to put a remote pharmacy or a satellite pharmacy on different floors, like your ICU, yeah. your med surge. And it turns out having a pharmacist in that care team works out really well. And now I, you, you'd be hard-pressed to find a hospital anywhere that doesn't have right. some kind of decentralized pharmacy services. Oh, yeah, almost all of them do. Yeah, what's interesting yeah. to think about that is hospitals didn't do that because they had to. And they probably didn't even do that based on income potential. They really did that. And, and that's probably for some hospitals not their main way of thinking when they move yeah. staff and people around. They're moving staff and people around for economics. So they really had to have done that, just had to have been blown away by the change okay. in care. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're 100%. Just making better decisions all together. Right. Um, so, so that's interesting. What are the providers? Um, not to like harp on this too much, but no, yeah. What's the what's the big draw on the providers? I'm just thinking through. Like, if I'm somebody's listening and I'm like, man, I'd like to get into that, um, and I think I have some providers in my area that would be interested in it and supplement revenue for them. What What are the providers really interested in when when you're when you're going to them with a service? And I think I think everybody has different motivations. And so one of the interesting things about Mississippi too is that we have um, independent practice for nurse practitioners. So they don't have they so they can own their own practices. And so that's where because that a lot of our rural providers are nurse practitioners in their own clinics. And so that's where we've seen the most success. We do have um, a physician practice clinic that we're in two days a week. And I think you know everybody's got different motivations, but I think for most it's the no having a really hard time. And, and this is what, what we learned from Amina because we went and we took her classes. We did the um, uh, Avant Institute right. with her and yep. we even did the, PD, the the class before she even had Avant Institute through PDS. And um, so we've been kind of planning and we, we call it water in the bamboo. I think that's what Amina calls it too, of how it takes bamboo like four years to grow oh, after okay. you plant it. Um, so <laughs> we've been watering our bamboo for a really long time, like but it. we... Um, you know, I think it's all different, but a lot of them, I think, is that they they don't have a very strong understanding of how and why they are being paid what they're being paid. Right. Um, so with you know with things like MIPS and and the yeah. their new quality measures, and so when when Austin walks in there saying, "I know all about MIPS, and here's your quality metrics. I can run a report and tell you what exactly you're deficient on, and here's oh. how we can help you get there." Oh, wow. Right. And so it's not just hey, partner with us because we'll bring you more money. It's, hey, we have a solution for you yeah. that will fix your problems. And that's, um, but that's him working in the pharmacy. He can't do that more remote. Yeah, so he's actually, he goes physically to their clinics. Okay. So he spends uh, three days a week physically in clinics doing um, Medicare annual wellness visits. And then, but also he can do stuff from the pharmacy now too. And particularly with COVID, they've, they've relaxed a lot of their rules and allowed a lot more telehealth. Okay. And so that has been really nice, honestly, to reach more patients and, and to reach them where they are. But yeah, so the RPM though, we even have um, pharmacy technicians who are helping to support that service and um, really advancing their role too, which is something that I'm very passionate about is advancing the role of technicians to Right. to better support pharmacists. So that's so, so for your like sync calls and things like that, they, they turn a little different for your RPM patients, yeah. I imagine. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So we have all this extra data now, right? When we're making yeah. our sync calls 
Um, and that's who's that's who's supporting our our RPM and, and CCM program is our sync callers. So they already know these patients. They have relationships with them. And maybe their phone calls went from two minutes to now 20 minutes, right? right? Wow. And they have the plan of care that the physician has developed along right. with our pharmacists. And the te- the technicians help support us through that plan of care. And they they check in with the patients. They document stuff for us. They have algorithms that they go through that says, you know, at this level, I escalate up to pharmacists or, you. you know, whatever it may be. Um, and so it's it's just been really awesome, too, to watch our technicians grow. Um, and cool. of course, as a faculty member, I'm always interested in the development of others. Sure. And so yep, watching right. our technicians develop, it's, it's just been really, really phenomenal. Um, and seeing the relationship that they have with our patients and, and how that's really impacting care. So how do you replicate that, right? If, if, yeah. if we had 20,000 pharmacies run like Bob's and Amina's and stuff like this in the country, I, the cost of healthcare, the way it would go down in this, oh, this, yeah. this yeah. the substantive change, um, I, I think you'd see some of the big chains stop doing pharmacy, right? Mm-hmm. It just that big of an impact. How do you do that? How do you... I, you know, I don't know. I think one of one of my favorite things about Bob is that he's always willing to take a chance. And I think you have to be willing to risk a little bit first yeah. to to jump into something like that, right? To say, okay, I'm going to hire yeah, this I'm gonna, pharmacist. Yep. I'm going to hire no, a I, fairly expensive person I agree 100%. To, yeah. to build a business. And so yeah. you have to be willing to take a risk. And I think a lot of business owners aren't necessarily yep. um, willing to do that. And so that's, that's part of it too. But I think too, just... So many, and Bob always, and I, he, he's, I'm going to probably steal in some of his material because I know he's going to come and do a podcast with y'all soon. But um, he always says there, there's people who either want to change and don't know what to do. Um, they don't want to change and they're just digging their heels in or they just don't care, right? And right. so, so, but I think there's a bigger majority of those people who want to change and just don't know what to do. Yeah, yep. And I think this year in particular has been even harder on that group of people because they haven't been able to go to shows and do the networking that they might have done with with other folks and just um, really seeing those opportunities that are out there. And so, again, I think that goes back to what can schools of pharmacy do to help them innovate and to show them. So talking about relationships and, that, uh, you know, and I don't know if this is the direction you want to go with this, yes. but so our, our local health department. Um, which, you know, <laughs> to, to give you a little backstory, right before the pandemic hit in January of 2020, we had a meeting because CPSN Missouri was rolling out with trying to connect with, well, Trip Loken yep. uh, in Southeast Missouri had just found um, a possibility of getting a HRSA grant, was working with pharmacies, community health workers and health departments and helping them screen patients for various conditions. He's such an animal. Um, he is. He's amazing. So, um, so what? What I said was, Trip. I want to have a meeting with my local health department. We just got a new director, and he's like, "Let's do it." And so, uh, he wasn't able to be on the call, but I got Michaela Newell, our director, on. A, actually, I think she came down, and we had a meeting with him. And when we walked in, I said, "You know, I've been hearing weird things about this coronavirus." I said, "I wonder what's going to happen with this." He goes, "Ah, you know, who knows?" And before we know it. We had our meeting and we were talking about collaborating together. First meeting we ever had. Um, Lord knows that we would be collaborating together in different yeah, ways. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we have before we even got vaccine, they they started getting some. And we we actually sent some of our technicians and our pharmacists to help them do their clinics. 
And he's like, so you guys having trouble getting vaccine? We were, you know, initially it was just kind of all confusing. Uh, I was doing my share of yelling and complaining to the to the state. But long story short is he said, why don't I just order you some in? I'll allocate it to you. And guess what? We got vaccine the next week. Wow. And it, and it wasn't because we went and volunteered. It was it was because we had that relationship. Yep. And and so to bring it a little bit further, um, and I don't know all the ins and outs, but he said, I have two nurses and they both quit on me last week. And I can't give second doses until I get these new nurses. And then he's like, can you help me? I said, sure. Tell me what you I need love me it. to do. Yes. Let me figure it out. So- we have helped them with a couple of second dose clinics. He's like, I'm not going to schedule any more first dose clinics. So any vaccine I get, I'm going to have to send to you. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. And now we have more vaccine that, you know, that's why we're trying to do all these relationship things and working on trying to get these things through. I have more work ahead of me than what I probably realized, but making these connections is really key. Now I will tell you, I'm going to take this and you can stop me because I get to rambling, but I will take this the next level and say, I'm still working on that original conversation that I had back in last January. And I'm proving uh, to our community and to our health department and to our local hospital that we want to work with people and we're a valuable resource in this community. And there's things that we can do very nimbly, uh, yeah. just in a very, I don't know, is nimbly a word? I th- it uh, is now. Very quickly. It is now. <laughs> yeah. Just made it one. Well. Um, Trademark yep. it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, put that on Wikipedia or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it is. yeah, we'll so, put it in the Urban um, Dictionary. Yeah. So, so I, you know, I think be us being nimble and seeing that we can fit in in some of these places. COVID has created so many opportunities for independent pharmacies, and you guys have seen yep. that, and independent pharmacies seeing that. And if we're not taking advantage of that, then yeah, you know, I don't mean in a bad way. I mean just stepping no, up and yeah. saying, hey, "Here we are." Um, I, I'm not. You know, I, I could, I know the big chains are taking people's personal information and marketing it in other ways. I'm not doing that, but I mean, I'm stepping out here. I mean, I've got three or four people waiting right outside my door right now after their vaccine. So, uh, and I'm just going out and saying hi. And if you need anything, let me know. You're absolutely so great. marketing they're, to those getting one of these, they're getting one of these, one of these <laughs> right? with everything. Right. Yeah, but you're, uh, you're marketing those people not by calling them later, send them something in the mail. You're marketing them by being efficient and being friendly and all those things that they're not going to see. Not a CBS or a no, yeah, but the, yeah. it's like the best kind of marketing, which is like you get to create an experience yeah. for them. And, and, You're right. And, and one they get really impressed by. So. so so I think for all new pharmacies that open or ones that we convert to Pioneer, we should send them a T-shirt that says, no relationships, no future. Uh, that's so <laughs> that's true, the, though. Like, him, like Trip said the same thing. And, and Oh, we hear it again seem, and again and again. I, I know everyone in my community, and, and maybe Larson not everyone, also? everyone, but like your mm-hmm. health department, your public health department, whatever that is in your in you your could also in your say region. no, yes, no future. And, and it seems kind of literally weird. the last one we just did was yeah. like it's just about being available sometimes and just saying yes when you're not sure. Because those guys just say, yeah, Tim's gonna figure it out. I got a problem. Tim's gonna figure it out. And <laughs> well, unfortunately, my wife said, "What are you working Stop on saying now?" Yes. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I think there's a show. There's a movie that says the yes man or something like that or whatever i i unfortunately i don't say no very often and that does get me into trouble so i i do have people in the store and of course i do need to realize i need to balance my personal life with with my professional life but when you're an independent pharmacy you are married to this and you know my wife says my pharmacy is my mistress i say that 
you lightheartedly, but sometimes well, she gets really, really irritated. So, so I, I like the M word, but the pharmacy yeah. is your mission. Yeah. True. There you go. Probably, I need to tell her that. Is probably, <laughs> there you go. Now, <laughs> it, it's probably clearer. And what an amazing mission that is, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. if, if you were put here to care for people, what a is there any better place to do that than a pharmacy in a in a small town? So, uh, yeah, you know, I I think God, I, I'm a Christian, and and I think God puts things in people's in front of people, and you need to then figure out how to do it. But God puts a brain in my head to figure out, okay, that is a good thing. And I need to, to do that. I need to do this for the, my community or do this for my family. And, you know, I, <clears throat> I do feel, um, that, um, we have a big mission with COVID and everything else, but I do want to carry that on. And I know many independent pharmacists are doing that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when I say take advantage of a situation, I think it's important for us to step up. This is an opportunity. Yeah. It's not, it's not a, a, a you know a time where people feel should feel burdened. Uh, although it, it sometimes can be very time consuming, you know, making calls and trying to. Well, the initial setup is always out. a burden and always stressful. But then once you get that ball rolling, then it's just okay. It's another knob. I'm I'm tw- I'm turning over here. You're right. You're right. I I compare it to building a road. You know, when you see those big mountains. So so down south of here in McDonald County into northwest Arkansas, where the Walmart country is, um, they're clearing some mountains and putting new interstate in there. And, you know, when you first look at it, you're like, okay, they're going to put a road through there. And so now they're in the process of knocking those mountains down. There's a big hole and they've got their their gravel down and they're getting ready to lay pavement and then you know so that's where we're at i think we're we've knocked the mountains down mm-hmm. and we're we're plowing through smoothing things out and we're going to put our asphalt down put the lines on put some signs up and that's going to be our freeway for for the future so i don't know that's what i tell my staff they look at me like i'm crazy but <laughs> have any of the, the we, i look at jeff that way a lot so. yeah he does yeah, we, we both me. do it's <laughs> like you you want me to do what i, like, the only I, I look at me like that a lot too what are you looking for like when you have that like let's go back to kind of just the people you put in place um what kind of staff are you are you looking at when you're kind of building these models um and you talk about you know you had somebody that was basically had the volume to be successful what you were talking about but they just sounds like didn't have the model you guys came in and cool you guys going bankrupt we come in we put our model in place and it works is it um what kind of staff are you looking for? What's the staffing model look like? Look like a little well, bit. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I really like the partner model. I mean, I have some okay. stores that have managers, and I own them outright. But I do have most of them are a partner, and I've, and I, you know, that kind of goes back to Bill Osborne. And if you got some skin in the game, and you're at that store, you're going to run it like they're every dollar's yours. And so, you know, that that model works the best. And um, but. You're, you know, these stores like the one we were just talking about, um, they, uh, they're, they're not run, they're not run very cleanly. Um, and pharmacy is an industry that is like no other. And, and when you sit and have a beer and explain it to somebody, like for instance, you know, you go to the grocery store, you buy a candy bar, you know, you pay a dollar 50, you hand the lady a dollar 50, she puts it in the till, they put it in the bank tomorrow. Yeah. Right. And the only way that store loses money is if they don't price it right or someone steals it. Right. Mm-hmm. So here in our industry, you know, we're pressing, you know, F7 or F12 or whatever button that is to <laughs> rifle that claim right. off. And if you have an obsolete NDC 
Uh, you, you got a package size wrong. I mean, boom, you could lose $50 in two seconds. I mean, you could lose $100 so in two true. seconds. Yeah. You know, you submit a flu shot without an admin fee. You know, the pharmacist forgets or who's ever billing, the technician, $20 lit on fire, right? And yeah. you're not going back and looking at those. You're always going forward. So what industry can lose so much money on a simple transaction by just a, a minor little error? You know, that's us. That's true. And that's super. Yeah. True. And so we, we have so much money wasted for ourselves in our industry by just not, you know, basically dotting your I's and crossing your T's and watching the pennies. You know, I, 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 I had an old saying and I can't remember who told it to me, but you watch the pennies and the dollars will take care of themselves. And nice. so we, we get into these stores and we just start plugging all the leaky money holes, you know, whether it's, you know, double internet bills, um, extra phone lines. That, I mean, I don't know how many stores I've, I've, I've grabbed the phone bill and they got six phone lines they haven't used in 10 years. Oh, wow. You know, it's, it's 30 bucks a line. I mean, right. You know, it adds up. Yeah. So you start plugging these holes and pretty soon, you know, you just save two grand a year or you just save five grand a year. You just saved another five grand. You know, next thing you know, you got 40, 50 grand you've saved of just, just waste. And it's not necessarily, yeah. you know, dispensing the prescription, but it could be how you're buying your labels and your vials and um, credit card processing. You know, I've worked with you guys on some credit card processing stuff, you know, sure. to help make it more advantage to the, on the fee side for, for the end user. So all those little things, we start plugging that and boom, that store with that volume is now super profitable when it wasn't. And it's, it's more of just the things I've learned over the years in the process we put together. Um, and it's fun. I mean, it's fun digging into a new store. Um, you know, I'm doing it right now at a big volume store. I mean, you know, 3,500 scripts a week and it, it's and it's so profitable. And, and if you did nothing, it'd be a great store, but now you start plugging those holes and there are those holes typically are bigger bigger holes oh yeah so yeah, yeah no doubt yeah, well because it's exponential with with the volume so you yeah. plug that big hole plug that big hole then you start working on the smalls pretty soon it's just it's it's eye-opening i mean wow. it really is so, so clearly you have metrics you have you have you kind of have a uh, it sounds like i'm hearing a lot of stuff around data you're looking at um yeah. you guys are heavy heavy it sounds like into data analytics then if you're, I mean, you're talking yeah. like package size, making sure you have an admin fee for, for, for vaccinations and things like that. Right, what tools or, or what tools that are out there um, that you guys use, or, or maybe it's all internal um, to, no, to identify know, those things? Yeah, some of it's internal. We, we, I mean, I, we have a guy, and I'll kind of tell you the whole story on it. And um, but there, you know, there are tools out there now, and I'd say probably in the last three years, there's more out there for pharmacies than than not. You know, um, with different. You know, you know, PDS had something like that and FDS mm -hmm. and some different ones of those companies have uh, data analytic type models. Um, you know, I think some of the wholesalers do as well. But it's, again, it's it's one of those things where, you know, you're going to pay for a fee for service then you don't use it. Right? right. So how many fee for services do we go to these co conventions and we're like, God, that's awesome. I'm going to sign up for that. That's $2.99. Oh, I'm going to sign up for that. That's $1.99. Oh, priest, that was even better. That's a, that's a four ninety nine or. Next thing you know, you're three or four grand a month into all these fee-for-service platforms. And if you're not using them and yeah. not getting an ROI, you're absolutely lighting money on fire. So that drove me nuts because it's kind of like I got smart people. I mean, I, I've always said I'm only as good as the people that I surround myself with. And some of my partners or all of my partners are, are fantastic, but some are really, really super smart. And so um, when I bought a store, I had a, a pharmacist. He was, it was the son of the guy we bought out. 
uh, and a super analytical type of a guy, um, you know, really into the, uh, to the systems of the body, um, really into the clinical side. Uh -huh. Um, and, but, and, 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 but not like an, you know, an outgoing kind of, kind of guy. I'm like, Hey, you know, his name's Ben. I said, Hey Ben, would you like to speak? But no, no, I, I don't want to speak. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not my so, thing. <laughs> yeah. So I was driving home from that. that, visiting that store and, um, I got about halfway home. I think it was about, that store is about two and a half hours away. <laughs> Actually where I live and everything, everything's two hours away. <laughs> yeah. That's like so, Dallas here. Everything's an hour away. <laughs> everything's yeah, an yeah, hour away, yeah. no matter where you go. So I got about halfway home and the light bulb came on. I was like, you know, he's got some super talents and he's a pharmacist. And I, and I've always been wanting, we were dabbling in the data analytics uh, okay. with our buying group. We had, I'd helped develop the, a, prog, a, a, a product that we offered to the, to the buying group pharmacies. And, uh, I said, you know what, we've got enough locations. I can afford to hire a pharmacist to do this. And Ben has taken it and, and run, I mean, oh, wow. and run and run. And we now analyze all our data every night. <clears throat> we make sure that the package sizes are right. The NDCs are right. Um, that, um, we're not missing any admin fees on flu shots or shingle shots or anything like that. If, they, they, they do, or, or, or let's say, you know, a, a brand went generic and you, and you ran the brand and you, you know, is it, it's a new enough one where the staff maybe forgot us generic, you know, well, they're not going to pay it at a brand rate. They're going to pay at the generic rate, you know, so you're, you know, you lose a hundred bucks there, 150 there, whatever. And, and some of those he catches in real time, you know, he's got some metrics that he's built in and he's watching it. it I, I always say he's kind of like the guy in the wizard of Oz, you know, he's behind the Greek curtain and, you know, pumping all the different levers. <laughs> right, and, he's got, he's right. pulling on these levers. <laughs> Yeah, getting the, the data out. And uh, anyways, I, it's really helped us guys. I mean, uh, he sends a report to the stores uh, okay. and they, they fix those claims every day, the next day. Wow. And uh, we also, in, in, in that report uh, that goes to the stores, is our uh, late refill people. And, uh, and, and so we, we, we have a, a system where the, the technicians will call and say, hey, Mrs. You know, Mrs. Jones, your, your prescription... Uh, it looks like it's a little bit past due. Would you like you know, a refill? And uh, I mean, this is simple stuff. You know, people sure. are doing this. So we're not like, this isn't recreating anything that most people aren't doing. But, um, you know, I, I know, Mrs. Jones, I see you got four or five other things that, you know, are coming up here this week. Would you like those? Oh, absolutely. And you'd, you'd be surprised the volume we pick up. But, but that is more than the volume because now we've made her compliant, right? Oh, yeah. And we, yeah. yeah so we take 10 patients non-compliant compliant. Our DIR fee goes down. Our, our uh, yeah. scores go up and we're saving money that we don't see and feel. And that's when the whole picture becomes rosy, you know, for pharmacies, when you're able to, to collect and save that money you're not seeing by doing, you know, I call it the snowball. You know, if you can keep it, if you can do it right in the beginning, it doesn't snowball into a big giant ball and get hit you in the face at the bottom of the hills. Right. <clears throat> so yeah, we're into heavy into data and, and Ben has done a fantastic job. For me. That's a really cool thing about pharmacy is the the people that are involved in this industry. I mean, you really do make lifetime friendships. Um, just very collaborative thinkers. Um, absolutely, patient care is first and foremost on their minds and how to make it better for the patient. Um, and uh, I'm I'm just I'm I'm just excited that uh, they allowed me to stay in the profession. Uh, even though I'm not a pharmacist, um, they've embraced me uh, as as a thinker, a forward thinker, and a, a fixer uh, of, of problems. And so happy to be here. So from Community Care, you went to PPOK? Is that right? 
I did. And, you know, that's probably one of the funniest stories of, of my career. Um, Lonnie Wilson, long, long time mentor in the pharmacy profession. Um, what a he great and guy. I would negotiate contracts on opposite sides, right? Oh, As okay. HMO, you know, I needed a pharmacy network and Lonnie, uh, representing independent pharmacy in Oklahoma. So I spent years negotiating contracts with, with Lonnie Wilson a, against each other. And um, Medicare Part D, that, that whole program, the way it's built, the, the complexities, it can really take a lot out of a person. And so I was looking for um, something different. Um, I'd had enough of the managed care um, system, uh, the, the challenges, the difficulties, where things were headed. Um, and so literally one day I called Lonnie up and said, I said, Lonnie, are you busy? And he said, well, I'm actually driving back from a board meeting. He was uh, on some interstate in Wisconsin, I believe. Go, Pat, go. Um, and so uh, he was uh, driving down the highway. And I said, well, what do you think about um, maybe me coming to work for you? And he, to his credit, he was always so very professional. He said, that's an interesting idea. Um, let me think about it. Uh, and I tell you what, when I get back from this trip, I'll call you and, and we'll, we'll, we'll explore it. And the way he told the story was he hung up the phone with me, turned and looked at Bob Greenwood, who was driving and said, I think hell just froze over. <laughs> <laughs> I was so, about to say, um, was that like the beginning of a, not just no, but a hell no, but politely said? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the idea intrigued him so much that, um, for, and I'm very thankful that it did. He he literally hired me in. He said, I don't know what you're going to do, but let's let's bring you over to PPOK and see what happens. And that uh, was January of 2010. Wow. And we went from 360 roughly pharmacies, mostly in Oklahoma, uh, to uh, uh, when I left June 30th uh, to take over this position here at Align, um, you know, we had 2,200 stores. Wow. And so uh, developed out and, and Lonnie, to his credit, he let me uh, he let me do what I do best, uh, look for problems and find solutions and create programs and services to to improve the uh, lives of the pharmacists and clients that we take care of. And so. All right. So so PPOK had a PSAO. Mm -hmm. And and then yes. they they split that part off and joined with. Arite? Is that how you Arite, said? correct. Arite. And then th they put you in charge of that when they did that. Is that? They, yes, they asked me to lead the organization, um, what is now known as Align RX. Okay. And so we are right now going through the process of uh, evaluating the programs that PPOK had to offer and evaluating the programs that Arite had to offer and finding those synergies and, and migrating, consolidating processes. And um, I think the community pharmacies are going to be very happy with the end result of what we're going to be able to provide to them uh, very, very shortly. So, okay. And so how know. new is that? How new is this, uh, this new AlignRx? Yeah. I, uh, I became an, uh, the first AlignRx employee on July 1st. Of this and year? Then of this year. Oh, wow. Okay. And then August 1st, uh, we actually did the, the, signing of the closing. So it, it became official August 1st at uh, pharmacies from both entities were 
uh, assigned into a line and, and we went through the process of collaborating with the PBMs and getting those contracts assigned in. And so we have uh, just under 4,500 pharmacies right out of the gate. We're the largest PSAO in eight states, second largest PSAO in 12 additional states. So right out of the gate, we've got a wonderful footprint and a, a great group of pharmacy owners to uh, to represent and serve. Uh, and I, I feel very fortunate that uh, that uh, we we get to do the coolest thing possible, which is uh, provide those products and services so that pharmacists can do what they do best. Um, and community pharmacy, I've never been more proud than what uh, we have seen come through this pandemic uh, and the fact that community pharmacists are the absolute heroes frontline. And uh, I feel very, very blessed to have been part of the administrative support to to all of that. Let's step back like three breaths. When you said the program for training technicians is rolling out this month, um, where is it rolling out and what kind of training does it look like? What does it look like? Yeah. So um, thanks for asking that. The, um, the experience we've had with community health workers, so we trained our first technician as a community health worker about three, almost four years ago, I guess. And the in the each state, the curriculum is a little bit different in what's required. But I can tell you the journey in Missouri has been get them trained, get standardized curriculum, get that recognized by the state and then see what you can do with that from the, you know, from the pharmacy and the outreach worker standpoint. So that we'll just put all that process aside and just assume that um, either states recognize a community health worker or they're interested in recognizing a community health worker. So what we did was we we were approached after some success that we had had in in public health arrangements and, and and so on in the state of Missouri to help create a curriculum specifically for pharmacy technicians. Okay. Because what we're finding is, and we I was just at the uh, PQA annual meeting last week, and you know, everything's oh, social terms of well. health now. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I huh. guess we okay. were. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we we were there and. It's funny. Everything's SDOH, social determinants of health, the last mile care, local, local, local. But what what happens is a lot of times, you know, in my experience, those that are in charge of providing that are a lot of times not local. And and the people that need to be engaged that are the highest cost, most at risk, those people are the ones without cell phone minutes or broadband. Right. right? Mm -hmm. So like, how do you you've got to have somebody local. So having a sustainable place in a community like a pharmacy to have an SDOH expert like a community health worker just makes sense in today's environment. Our state saw that. So they commissioned us to help build a curriculum based on the framework of like some some um, um, curriculum that already existed. Like here are minimum standards for curriculum. Okay. So um, Bianca Daisy Bell, our clinical director and in, in, in for our company, for our pharmacies, um, helped and she used to be an academia. And so she helped write this curriculum, got it approved in the state of Missouri. And then we took that curriculum and we we uh, commissioned uh, CE Impact to to help us make okay. that sustainable. Because nice. one of the things that we found out was this curriculum's great, but if it's at a community college and that's you know the classes from three to six on Tuesdays, a technician ain't gonna be able to go do yeah, that. That's tough, so right? we had to think outside the box and come up with something that was longitudinal. The hours were were you know maybe work at your own pace, cohort based, but. Uh, that technicians could could do. And so our first cohort is being onboarded right now in May. We're gonna have three classes this year and we're, we're scaling this as fast as we can because the need's there. I'm talking, I mean, I've talked to, shoot, by the end of, by the end of July, I'll have talked to six different states, I think, really? um, whether it's their state nice. association, pharmacy association, whether that's their public health department, um, you know, who, whoever that is about this endeavor, because it's, you know, it's a solution that's 
pretty simple. Like, okay, so let's empower our technicians to focus on in-need patients. That's all right. Let's come up with enrichment opportunities for our current staff that makes their job more rewarding. <laughs> Not a big downside either. Right. And oh yeah, maybe it helps provide some, you know, you're the target of last mile care for you know, underserved populations. I mean, that's still all, I, that gives you the, you know, the good warm feeling all around. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the things, you know, if through a lot of the podcasts we talked about, it's really been focused on, you know, pharmacy just absolutely hitting a home run for public health. And, you know, we were all that, you know, if we weren't into public health, we probably wouldn't have been pharmacists in the first place. And so, you know, this seems like a, a really nice natural evolution of, all right, pharmacy's proven that public health has to be a central tenant of what we do. And like most good programs, they're successful because you have really good technicians doing a lot of the groundwork. So th I like, I really like the idea of it. I have to see if Texas is um, doing anything like that at all. It's, um, it's also resonating. And, and again, I go back to these technicians are typically doing this work anyway. Right. The good ones are. Like mm -hmm. our crew's been doing, they've been helping people through tough situations and getting transit and housing authority and meals on wheels for years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Medication, if they can't get it, if it's too expensive, finding ways to get medication. Like we just consider that like normal practice, but that is hugely important, especially if you start quantifying like how much money is saved. We showed up in our first community health worker project, we showed that over a hundred patients, we saved an average of $70 out of pocket per patient per month. That's not total cost of care. That's $70. And that's only in patients that determined that they could afford their medicine afterwards. And so that $70 was out of pocket per month that we save people by engaging a community health worker and a pharmacist, their, their healthcare provider to, to really triage the situation and make sure that, you know, it was affordable. So, so, um, Lisa has a, a consulting group. Right. And, and what's what the name of that is Diversifier X. Yeah. Diversifier X is the name of the company. Yep. Um, and, and everything we do is, is under that. But we have a membership, which is Pharmacy Badass University, which okay. is for pharmacy owners that, you know, want to make changes in their, their business. They want to improve their profitability. Um, and, uh, you know, so we have a membership that that people can join that okay. that's a paid membership. Um, I always let people go consume all of our free resources. You know, you mentioned the podcast, but mm -hmm. we put out blogs, we put emails, we do the YouTube videos. Um, you know, we really are just trying to help pharmacy owners in any way, shape, or form. Yes, uh, we uh, weekly awesomeness. I get those, yes, and I read them and I love them. Do you feel more awesome because of it? I, I do. Yeah. I really I think, do. I think I you. Are. I've seen a change. I've seen an effect. <laughs> but keep going. It's all about the energy. It's we got to transfer the energy, and you can yep. transfer it in email. That's for that's for sure. This I think is important oh because my. one of the things. Oh my! Oh my! <laughs> um, Lisa used to work for PDS. She was in marketing PDS, and I think one of the things I saw over time, and, and probably once PDS was bought by private equity, and I feel like I don't have any facts on this, but I feel like they started the new bosses started saying you're giving away too much stuff for free. People aren't signing up for memberships. You're giving away stuff too much for free. And I went to uh, Lisa's show um, that she this had last in February. No, no but I went to the one before in Dallas. Okay. Um, we we didn't we weren't there the whole time. We went in okay. there just to to kind of uh, shake some hands and kiss some babies and and, and help them pack up. But uh, Mickey Fine uh, was talking to him, and he was like, um, "You know, Lisa has a bunch of does. She 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 helps me so much. I feel obligated to buy the membership." 
Mm. Right? That that's so, scammer. People so, buy from people they like. Well, it's a, it's a value first. It is uh, value piece. first marketing. Um, yes. And, and it's saying that hey, this is a trustworthy group. Mm-hmm. If I provide them enough value, they're going to support me. And, yes. and I think you're seeing that. I think that's super. So I wanted to when, when you plug that that so made me think about what Mickey said. Go ahead. Yeah, well, and I the way that I look at it is I always want to be behind on the you know exchange of brownie points between me and a pharmacy owner like i always want them to have gotten more from me than i have gotten from them i always want to be trailing and so my i have this innate need and it, and it comes from actually like deep like insecurities that's like you know there's always double-edged swords to everything but i have this deep innate need to be useful to people and to mm-hmm. be valued and the way that i do that is i overgive and i and i right. love nice. sharing and and so it's like I always want people to feel like they love me and they value me and I'm the most valuable thing in pharmacy because I've given them so much and they've had to give so little return. Like that's, yeah. that's like my motto. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, subscribe and follow us wherever you get your podcast. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more pharmacy professionals like you.